Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast. I'm Ryan Chacon, and on today's episode, we are going to be focused on talking about the evolution of IoT, how AI is coming into the IoT space, impact on society that these technologies are going to have, privacy and security concerns, a whole lot of topics that I think you'll find a lot of value in. With me today will be David Lee, the CEO of Evita. They are a company that is a provider in global solutions for cloud-based video AI research and surveillance technologies. If you are watching this on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to our channel if you've not done so already. Listen to us on a podcast directory. We'd really appreciate it if you'd subscribe, see the latest episodes as soon as they are out. And last announcement is if you have not already done so, our AI for all content has been released. So we have a podcast now with experts from all over the AI industry focused on enterprise AI, as well as a newsletter that is going out weekly and sometimes daily, depending on what's going on in the space. And the website is coming soon. So please check that out and subscribe to those channels as well if you're interested in AI. But other than that, let's get on to the episode. Proverlo Autonomo is rewriting the rules of asset tracking and data collection. No more chasing elusive devices or losing sleep over data breaches. Autonomous unique background app ensures you stay in control even when devices go off the grid. It's scalable, platform compatible, and delivers a rapid return on investment. Visit Troverlo.com, that's T-R-O-V-E-R-L-O.com now and harness the power of Autonomo to transform your IT department. Welcome, David, to the IoT for All podcast. Thanks for being here this week. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan, for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Super excited to chat. Um, before we get into it, I'd love it if you could give a quick introduction about yourself and the company to our audience. I'm David Lee, CEO and founder of Iveda. And I founded Iveda uh, back in 2003, you know, so literally 20 years ago. And um, I myself, I'm a, I'm a civil engineer <laughs> by education, certainly not by trade. By the time I graduated, I fell fortunately, into the era of the dot-com back in San Jose, California. So that's where my technology uh, uh, background and experience really started, is with all the early dot-coms and, and the growth of the, uh, the era of the internet and data consolidation, etc. So uh, given that, I um, advanced my career not as a civil, totally outside of discipline, I went into wireless networking with a wonderful company back in uh, late 1999 into the early 2000 uh, out of San Jose, California. We were one of the first companies, but their name was Ricochet, in case anybody's interested in history. One of the first companies that had wide area wireless connectivity. And guys, we, you know what that means is we're so used to our 5G today and Wi-Fi today well, back then we had a modem about this big Velcro to the back of our laptop and, you know, with the serial port screw in, USB was not even around back then. And guess what? We got, we got online with Juno, uh, Go America, Prodigy. This is how early internet um, I, I got started in. So fast forward with that background. Here in Arizona, um, I met a... Uh, physical security company and the ownership there. And it just dawned on them that if they can verify an incident remotely or at another geographical location before they sent out an, uh, a person in a vehicle, um, that would be wonderful. Now, mind you, this is 2003, 2005. Internet was still T1, T3. Um, we were one of the first companies, Ryan, that, that did remote IP video assessment in real time. Now, IP video cameras were 900 bucks a camera back then, not 
$59.99 on Amazon, right? <laughs> if not, it was a Logitech webcam. So we, Ayurveda was one of the first companies that did remote video monitoring. That means we had to manage internet IP video uh, and, and we had live humans watching a camera on behalf of the customers. So that's how we got started. And uh, um, after a decade and, and two, Ayurveda evolved today to what you know of us today from our background of big data management, handling and streaming, uh, we had to find a means of making that more efficient. You know, human labor, labor in review and assessments too expensive. So here comes 2014, we applied something called machine learning, you know, and, and we taught the machines how to look for certain objects within the, the plethora of data that we had from our customers. So this is the evolution of Iveta AI. This is where our AI video analytics um, was spawned and, and our go-to-market today and what makes us strong is leveraging our growth uh, and the technology. And going back to IoT now is information sensor, sensor data now has intelligence behind it. So that, that in a nutshell, is Ayurveda, an AI IoT smart city company. Fantastic, very, very exciting background too. Um, you, you've been, you've kind of seen the evolution of things really, you know, really been in, in the, you know, uh, in the trenches, understanding, playing with, building technologies from the early days to now. Let me ask you, um, as it relates particularly to IoT, obviously we were, you know, so it was M to M, now it's IoT. I've been in the space for about seven years. It's grown. It's changed a lot. It's evolved a lot. Um, what has tell me tell our audience a little bit about how you've kind of seen the evolution of IoT? Not have to you know it, does, it can be something like just high level it for our audience. What you've kind of seen from the beginning till now, um, and now we're you know because we're right now we're getting into the AI integration into IoT them coming together to provide even more value now that we have access to all this data that IoT solutions are able to collect. Um, but just talk us through the evolution that you've seen. Yeah, sure. You know, mo most recently, uh, the company Iveda has gotten involved in, in smart power, uh, smart power management for, for, you know, our smart city solutions. But why I start with power, um, this, this segues into the whole IoT spectrum is that I know from, from an early uh, engineering school, back then we talked about, uh, you know, I was in school in the 90s, but we talked about 70s, 80s, where the power companies and the telephone companies already had sensors throughout their, their lines that, that, you know, the transfer lines so that they can measure certain power and even temperature of the transmission just for safety. Now that's what IoT is. It's always been there. It's been around, right? Device sensors and data. But the difference that I've seen the evolution, Ryan, is all the way up until very recently, the data came to us and then it was us again and all the data and the analysis had to happen manually. And then we had to draw upon give with the given variables, diff different models to give us the data that we need to make decisions with, right? So whether it's weather, temperature, uh, pressure, um, sensors and devices have always been around. And, and really that is, that is the concept of IoT. Evolution, um, 
I've seen so many more sensors from the good old days of the Radio Shack open closed door sensors to now we've got, you know, coffee, uh, uh, darkness. It's, it, what's happening is there's a lot more detail involved. And this segues into given all this detail of data and the ease of collection now because of the evolution of just the internet in general, right? So internet of things are beginning to just make more sense. Before, it was just more very professional, industrial, commercial. But today, you, me, our kids, hey, we touch, we touch it all, all the time now. Yeah, without even knowing sometimes. Yeah, without even realizing it. Without even knowing it. Correct. So I, I see now that um, it's more common than we realize. That's, that's my experience with, with IoT. And, and people are speaking about it more, the terms being used more. Um, so it's, it's more prevalent today. I think companies are also starting to really see the value of you know these these technologies and solutions and what it can do for their business and um, access to data they didn't have access to before can help them make better decisions, faster decisions, um, and and we're starting to now compile AI on top of that, right? You know we have access to this data so we can bring in these AI models to um, provide more value in, in interpreting, understanding, analyzing the data. How, how have you seen kind of I mean, most of the most of the you know, in, in, from a public perspective, most of the conversations around AI are you know connected to generative AI tools that are talking about you know ChatGPT, um, things that people can go and play with and touch you know themselves. But AI has been working its way into IoT for for a while now. Where do you kind of see, or how do you kind of see AI coming into IoT and the impact that that has? on society and the, you know, the users of, of these devices, sensors, and, and solutions? I've got a great uh, uh, scenario, I think, that will help um, give our, our listeners or viewers a, a very clear real-world perspective. From experience here, Iveda, the company, we, we have this um, uh, solution called Iveda Care. Now, I'll, I'll try to break this down. It sounds fancy, but what it is, Ryan, is is a, a kit that back in the day, we would probably use the term smart pole. And I'll even go further. Radio Shack had door sensors, window sensors, alarm sensors, motion sensors, right? But if you take a collective of all these wonderful sensors and you just add on a little bit more like moisture, humidity, temperature, and you put this into a setting where you have um, a dementia care patient or just grandma, grandpa at home alone. In the past, these sensors only provided trigger alerts when something physically triggered each sensor. Temperature too high, door open, window closed, motion in the hallway. Now, answering your question, AI comes in into that same environment. This is how it's helping society today with existing infrastructure. This is very important in the highest value, I believe, of AI. Leveraging existing IoT infrastructure, AI now comes in and makes sense of all these alerts. Instead of you and I just getting a ding every time a door opens, the AI is smart enough to understand what's normal and what's not normal, and then only alerts on what, what we call abnormality. So, um, hey, grandma got out of bed, which is fine, 
but getting out of bed, moving into the hallway, and then not appearing either at the restroom, the living room, or the kitchen in a few seconds or minutes, it could mean that she may have fallen. That's AI. So it's that data processing and analysis done in split second. And, and then adding, adding common sense to that in some, in, in a unique way gives you and I the, 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 the data points that would be more useful to us. And how have you seen, I mean, I know you all play a role in um, when it comes to security and um, different solutions related to security, which as you're talking about this example from when it comes to, um, you know, aging in place solutions, elderly care solutions, there's a privacy point that often gets brought up when we're talking about collecting data. And then when AI is coming in, how that's also going to affect privacy and security concerns. How have you all, from your perspective, seen organizations best uh, handle and balance that security and privacy concerns with AI, bringing in AI and IoT technologies into their business to still be, to have the solution be valuable and the data be useful, but the people that they're maybe looking at, tracking, uh, you know, collecting data from, um, are not at risk of being, you know, exposed on a personal level or, you know, at, or ensuring you're adhering to those, those privacy um, uh, important things. Yeah, you know, the, the, the privacy concern, especially for a video surveillance um, startup company uh, two decades ago, it's nothing new to us. That's one of the biggest concerns and conversations I've had is uh, throughout the years is privacy. But given that, the experience that I've also engaged with our end users every from all walks of industries, from private um, business owners to, to enterprise and even government agencies and municipalities, though we are all keen and aware that there is a public concern of privacy, um, it, as a practitioner, um, you know, we... The reality is the data that is being consumed or the data that is being so-called collected is already flowing in most of the environments that we exist in, Ryan. You know, we're, we're not going out there punching a hole, tapping anybody or doing anything. It's, it's about making sense of the data that currently already surrounds all of us. Um, example. Uh, we, we all take for granted, um, that the stores we walk in, Walmart, everything like that, um, is by choice, timing, location. All of that is, is considered data collected by the, by the, um, organization and how they use it within that is to improve safety, efficiency, operational effectiveness, and of course, increase revenue. No harm to anybody. But when you talk about video, and and seeing people's faces and what they're doing in public areas. Again, there's always two sides to every story. But taking precautions, I've learned from um, our partners out there in the field is, is frankly, the data that is flowing in now with the support of AI is actually safer. Uh, it's, and I'm going to try to add some color to that. In the past, it would take a human. It, it always, the human is always the troublemaker here, right? Not the technology. And I'll, I'll speak to that. It, it always involved a human doing something foul. It's an emotional decision to take action, good, bad, or ugly. I believe the, with the support and benefit of AI, the AI is being asked 
to do a very specific task. And when that task says, alert me when, when a dangerous abnormality arises. So many cars piled up and stuck in one spot, that's an abnormality. Um, someone holding something, a weapon, that's an abnormality. Frankly, that is the only time that the human today will even pay attention to that piece of data. What we, what we kind of, uh, the misconception is that there's, uh, we're all concerned about our privacy and what we're doing as we're roaming around the streets. The reality is all the organization that I've engaged in the past two decades do not have enough time nor resource to care about us, Ryan. We all think we're so special and important. No one has enough time to be nosy. But then to be nosy, it is the human. So this is really awesome that AI can now support the monitoring of critical situations for safety, efficiency, and we can rely on that now more than we can a human. I know that's going to be a controversy, but um, that's that's reality that I'm seeing out there. I'm, I'm a total technology proponent. And let me ask you, so as we kind of, if you break out away from just security side of things when it comes to privacy, we, we also have been seeing obviously increased adoption in communities and cities where people live, right? And new technologies are being implemented to provide better experiences to the municipalities, to the, 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 the residents of certain communities um, in these smart cities. Um, where, where are, in, in, from your perspective and the work that you all do, where are we right now with kind of smart city adoption, but also, um, I guess, education for those who are interacting with these new solutions, whether it's the user or the, 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 the residents and citizens of these communities, um, understanding their value, understanding kind of what they do, why they're there, and how it's hopefully providing a, a benefit? That's a big question. I'm going to try to encapsulate it here. Um, smart city adoption, I would have to say smart city awareness is picking up dramatically. Uh, adoption is still at a, a uh, not so favorable pace right now, in my opinion. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And what that means is you asked about education. That's very important. Educating the, the stakeholders and practitioners, I think that's ramping up. The, the builders, the, the, the parties that are deploying the technology and the applications, I think that there, that group is now more aware. More aware means that they finally today understand the technology that is involved and the applications that do take place in order to formulate um, a valuable end result of some kind. Now, I'm, I'm encapsulating a lot, but where, where this goes is this. We say smart city. In order for a city to be smart, all of its segment of existing infrastructure, the roads, the gas lines, the power lines, the water lines, um, everything that we see from street lights, uh, air conditioners in our buildings, automatic doors that open at Disneyland, et cetera. You know, all of that is censored, accessible, IoT, all interconnected. Once they're truly interconnected, again, it's nothing new for we, the citizens. It's already there. It's in existence. The benefit now is a smart city 
becomes smart when it can gather all of this data that's already flying among us. I'm going to come back to that story. Sensors are already uh, submitting information somewhere. It's best that if a city is receiving this information and data, that they have some means of organization or else it would be useless to you and I as citizens of the city. Some fear that if a city has all this information, they'll know all our movement. Uh, No, they don't care about who you and I are. What we're caring about is the community at large, the whole. So once we have temperature, once we have weather, we have traffic conditions, where it piles up, where it's light, you know, we as drivers and as citizens, we sit in traffic and go, oh my God, why are they doing construction now? Can't they do it at night? Man, why don't they expand this? All the things that we complain about, a smart city truly is designed to to reduce those types of burdens on us if we give it a chance. So where I see smart city evolve, I've been out of country in Southeast Asia, Middle East, Africa, and you know what? The foreign countries, developing countries I see are adopting smart city at a much more rapid pace than we, the, the developed nations. Why is that? It's an obligation. Traffic sucks. Infrastructure sucks. They cannot build new. No one can build new. So you have to take advantage of existing infrastructure and get, and you know, the old adage, work smarter, not harder. So these countries are obligated to work smarter in order to fulfill the services that is required by the citizens to do more and be, and be more safe. So adoption here in the States, it's slow. It's slow, but I think awareness is highly increased. And because of that awareness is where we're getting the question of, oh my gosh, privacy issues. (laughs) There's always going to be a group that has an issue with change. Um, Each municipality is so different when it comes to budget uh, resistance to new technology adoption. You know, so it, it is, it is tough, I think, for, for us to see the, or I guess it make I understand why adoption has been slower than I think we wanted it to be when it comes to to smart city solutions. Um, but it's important people know that these are oftentimes built with the best intentions in mind to make the experience better, to collect data without having to bother the the citizens of the community and have enough have access to data that they can make decisions more quickly to again improve that experience for the people who are living day to day. So it's been a topic that's come up ever since I kind of joined the the IoT world. Um, Just seeing the evolution of smart cities, yes, I feel like it it has not um, grown as quickly as some anticipated, but the very, still very optimistic on what, what is, what can be done and what this can do for the quality of life um, in, in, in different communities. Quality of life. Uh, is, is the biggest selling point, right? And the biggest marketing, uh, words that we hear. And, but on, on the back end, uh, someone that's working to actually deploy this technology. Again, I, I speak with you only from, from the experience that I have, you know, where the industry's going, where the conceptual uh, thoughts are going is one thing. But I'm working with cities right now, Ryan, that, that, are leveraging existing infrastructure. And I'm going to say, say that a lot. There's 
electricity is required for a lot of things to power our buildings. But imagine this. In the streets, there's something called streetlights. Streetlights are already existing infrastructure with power supplied to it. You know how wonderful IoT and AI plays to into existing infrastructure now? The developing countries leveraging where they work so hard to get a pole up and electrical lines to can now add on to that existing pull sensors. And what do we, what are these sensors? You know, sensors not only to make their lights more efficient, turn on and off only when necessary. So that's power efficiency. But beyond that, you have weather stations that can be added to that. And now, of course, cameras that can be added to that. Behind all these IoT sensors and video uh, systems, the system now will help citizens. That existing infrastructure has just increased better traffic flow information and management. It just increased public safety by having uh, the public understand that these cameras here are protecting you day and night and officers have access to them rather than walking off in a boondock somewhere. So that little example of how a smart city deployment or implementation can it almost immediately enhance the, the, the lives of, of the local existing citizens, not just general concepts. So I, I'm, I'm a big proponent for that. I've seen it. And then there are cities that, that, experience a lot of flooding in in major weather that we don't experience here too often. Well, it is that sensor. It is that same smart city sensors that can now detect abnormalities that say, hey, this street is will be flooded in X amount of hours. This is where technology comes into play that has a very direct impact to the benefits of a citizen. So that's that's why you want a smart city. And and for the little things I just described to you, there's so much more. Your point about the, the, the light fixtures and the existing infrastructure has been something that has definitely come up before. Um, and, and not just for different sensors, but also for gateways to expand coverage and to, you know, I know we'll talk to people in the LoRa um, uh, world and they talk about different, different we'll deploy LoRa um, gateways and connectivity to, to a town, to a city, um, and using those light fixtures as places to, uh, uh, to expand coverage. So, it, it, it's a great idea to you know utilize that existing infrastructure to do exactly what you're saying, which is to allow multiple solutions to be deployed to collect more data to do things that are better for everyone involved. Um, it's a very interesting space to follow and continue to see new cities adopting different technologies and bringing them into their citizens' lives and um, and improving things across the board. You brought up a good point. Yes, instant enhancement of communication. And, and internet access, right? Just adding on to the wireless topography without relying on, on the cellular signal that may not reach all the rural communities. So that's, that's another great immediate uh, benefit as well. You're right. David, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. This conversation, um, you shed some, some light on some very important topics and had great insights to share with our audience. Um, the last thing I want to ask you before I let you go is for our audience who wants to learn more about what you all have going on, maybe follow up on this discussion, chat further, what's the best way they can do that? I think the easiest way is to go to iveda.com, I-V-E-D-A.com. And uh, as far as application to learn more, I suggest not just going to the website and, and traditionally looking at products, 
that our audience looks at some of our press announcements within our website, because within those announcements, we'll provide the real-world perspective and applications and work being done leveraging IoT and AI. So there's, uh, I invite everybody to do visit and, and look at those. Fantastic. Well, well, David, thanks again so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it and um, excited to, to get this out to our audience. Thank you, Ryan, for having me, man. It was fun.